you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen, amen. You may return to your seats. Thank you once again to this praise and worship team and band for leading us into the throne of God. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to stand, you're welcome to. If you want to remain seated, that's fine. Luke. Chapter 2 and verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I think right now as we speak, I hope, by the grace of God, Brother Danny and Sister Cheryl are loading a plane and coming back home and preaching tonight. If not, I'm preaching tonight. (laughs) So you all better be praying that nothing happens and That thing takes off and lands just perfectly, amen? Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now just bear with me, I promise. This is going to sound like Christmas, but we're going to get there. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, or suddenly was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. This morning, by the grace of God, for just a few moments, I want to preach with the title, From the Crib to the Cross. From the Crib to the Cross. Can you put your Bibles down, and can we just ask God and, and, and just be with Him for a moment to ask Him to anoint this place and to have His way in this? Lord, I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be, Lord, in this place, to have your way in this church. I pray, God, that you would truly be with my mouth, God. Let me speak with clarity and with understanding, Jesus. I pray you'd have your way upon each and every one of us, Lord, in this place, God. Let your will be done in this place, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. And I would be amiss if I didn't say how much I honor and I thank our pastor for trusting us. Uh, to still have church in their absence. Amen. I miss our pastor. Amen. I'm excited to have them home. Amen. And I'm very honored to be able to to be up here and to be a part of this church. Um, But anyway, I'll I'll get get moving here today. Have you ever wondered 
or wanted to change the plan that God has laid out for you. You see, most of our lives, we realize that there's a plan for our life. We can be, we call it the will of God. We can either be in the will or out of the will. We can still choose what we do, but God has laid out a plan in some ways. Maybe better than this, you might say, okay, the plan's fine, but the timing is way off. Some people have waited for things for so long, and we keep thinking something happened to where God's watch has broke. The timing, the perfection, everything that was supposed to happen, something is amiss, and I wish we can change it. In fact, people say when they get to heaven, they're going to ask God, why did this happen? What took you so long? I'm not. I'm not going to ask that. I'm going to just be happy to be there. All those questions, all that timing, everything about all that will be gone. It's just us and him. He knew best all along, but it's hard to understand his timing. Galatians 4 and chapter 4 and verse 4 says it like this. And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I want to talk about God's fullness of time. The NIV, it says it a little differently, but when the time was fully come. And those two words, fully and the time, they're in the Hebrew that says, or in the Greek that says, pleroma. It's a repletion or completion, that which is filled. And then there's chronos, which means uh, a space of time. In other words, the stage had been set and it was time. That leads me back to the birth of Christ for just a moment. So many of us, if we were to look at the Bible, would wonder, when Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't God just fix it then? Anyone else? It would have been nice to have redemption instead of 4,000 years, and then we finally have a Savior, or fix the mess those two created. Why not then? But God is a God of timing. He understood it requires time. He had to wait for a King Herod to be born. He had to wait for a Joseph and a Mary, a virgin, a lady that separated herself. And they, he knew, God knew that those two could handle some pretty extenuating circumstances on their whole relationship. God knew he had to wait for the right people. He had to wait for John the Baptist. And God truly is a God who knows the end from the beginning. In Isaiah 46, it says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It has been prepared. I want to talk to you a little bit today about your situation. God laid upon my heart some people that were in this place that have dealt with things for year after year after year. And the question is, what in the world is taking God so long? But God will not jump the gun on his timing. He's decided if it's time, it's time. Doesn't mean we can't pray and God can move things. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but sometimes we have to explain where in the world is God and why is he taking so long. It's because God is a God of timing. Maybe you've been down this scary and painful road for some time. You're beginning to wonder why. Where's God? When will it be over? But we have to remember all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. 
I don't know why you're facing what you face sometimes. And I can look across this place and I've seen heartache. We've seen a divorce and abuse and, and disease and, and disabilities. And we can see that in so many of our homes and families and lives. We begin to wonder why. What in the world made us have to go through this? But sometimes it's life and there's a God that's got timing. God is still a God of timing. When the signals are blurred and you are uncertain, keep praying. Church, keep fasting. Keep your hand to the plow. Don't stop what you're doing. God is a God of timing. So to get into this crib to the cross, there's a place called Migdal Eder, and we'll get into it in a second. Luke chapter 2, verse 12 says it like this, And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The letter A, or the word A, means in all their inflections to define or to have the definite article. It means the, this, that, the one, a manger. Better translated is to say, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. There's a big difference between a God and the God. So let me take you there between a manger and the manger. Micah 4 and 8 says, O thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the king shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. It's a place called Migdal Eder. It literally means watchtower over the flock. There's an old note that they have, uh, if you've ever done any study of old um, Israeli history and and archives and all that other stuff. They have things called the Talmud and, and uh, different parts of it. Some th This particular part is called the Mishnah. It's uh, the Mishnah Shechlem, chapter 7, verse 4. If you have your Mishnah Shechlem, would you turn there, please? In it, it says, A herd of animals found from Jerusalem up into Migdal Eder, and in the vicinity all around, if male are burnt offerings, female are peace offerings. The rabbi said, those perceived for Passover offerings are Passover offerings, 30 days before the pilgrimage. If any animal that fit sacrificial uh, specific requirements was found loose anywhere between Jerusalem and Migdal, Edom, it was automatically deemed a, a, an offering for the temple. They would keep this thing separate. If you accidentally let your lamb loose anywhere from Jerusalem to this watchtower, your lamb just got confiscated. It's done. It was to be separated. There was law that says that those were to be absolutely separated. This prevented any person from accidentally using animals that were separated for common use, like eating. And they would make sure that nothing got mixed up. So if your animal was found in this area, it instantly was property of the temple and property of the watchtower. It shows us that the area was designated at a, as a place where sacrificial animals were bred and reared. I promise we're going to get there. Just stay with me. Unless they were not ordinary herdsmen and flocks at all, but they were precisely for the temple. So what happened was... When the Bible says that they were to choose a manger or the manger, that the shepherds or the wise men, as we call them, from different verses and stuff, they were to go to, to Bethlehem and find the manger. 
Have you ever thought about trying to find the manger? Imagine driving to Lebanon to find the church with no names or very rare names. You don't have, it's not like you can see now where it says United Pentecostal Church. They had no names back then, so it would have taken forever. And, and if we look in our, our minds, we imagine the star, right? We see the tail of that star just touching the top of the manger, and everything's perfect, and the hay's just right. We walk up to it, and there we are, and there's just everything's perfect. There's Joseph and Mary. There's nothing bad is happening. There's the baby. Everything's good to go. And we imagine this perfect scene, but truly the shepherds understood the manger. In other words, Jesus wasn't just born anywhere. He was born at this watchtower, the place separated for the temple because Jesus himself knew that timing mattered, place mattered. Every prophecy to come to pass had to matter that much. Every bit of the word of God had to be perfect. So his place of birth was this watchtower. See, in our minds, we don't think we can ever know where that's at. We think it's impossible to know when he was born and, and to pick a date, but there is so much history and tradition that goes back to these days and these times. They would have known exactly what watchtower or exactly what stable to go to. Therefore, Migdal Eden is seen to be the place where the flocks would be watched over and that would end up being slaughtered for sins. The temple shepherds watched the flocks. They would keep them out in the fields all the time except when they were ready to give birth and for the birthing process, they would bring in those ewes into the stable of the watchtower, into a stall that was ritually clean so that the lamb could be born, that would be born into an environment of cleanliness and with the least possible chance to obtain a blemish that would render it unsuitable for later sacrifice. I can't explain why you go through what you go through and why I've been what I've went through. God isn't always a God of explanation, but he's a God that understands that he was the perfect sacrifice. We're coming into a season where we look at the cross, but to me, I want to start first at the crib, at the manger, for God to show me that he picked a place where he would be set aside in the temple, ready for sacrifice, ready to be used of God. All this speaks directly to that birthplace. In Micah 4 and 8, it says the kingdom would come to Middal eager. How are we supposed to understand that verse? Genesis chapter 25, verse or 35, verse 21, which speaks of Jacob moving to Bethlehem after the death of Rachel. We read that the commentators of antiquity viewed Midgal Edgar as a place where the Messiah would actually be revealed. I want to, uh, the best I can, reveal some things to you today. 3521 of Genesis, it says, And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Eder. They later translated it from the original in the Jewish words and, and such to, to add a little bit. And it said it would be the place where the king, Messiah, will be revealed at the end of days. They understood in Micah that it was the Messiah that would come and be born here. They understood that the announcement of the angels and the shepherds at, at long last makes total logical sense that this would be the place. So when God told the shepherds 
to head towards the manger, to head towards Bethlehem, follow the star, they knew scripturally exactly where they were going to go. Let me tell you something, friend, in your life when it feels like there's no order and there's just chaos in your world and there's nothing but despair, there's nothing but problem after problem, things are falling on each other, God has placed answers right there and he has directed your path to where he knows where you are. He knows how to get to you. He knows where you're going. It wasn't just any stable to which Joseph and Mary went to give birth. It was a clean place, a place that they knew how to birth things. That's how good my God is. In the midst of your trial, in the midst of not having answers, you might say, well, how do I know what's going to come of this? God's led me to this place to die. That's what people used to say prophets you've led us to die they looked at Moses the whole crowd great look at the sea good job Pharaoh's coming we're stranded and here we are God has brought us out here to die and then the sea parts dry ground dry ground wasn't just muddy God will prepare a place for you in your trial He'll prepare an answer. He'll prepare a finish. But it requires us to stay holy, righteous. It requires us to stay true and steadfast on his word. To be believing, full of faith, ready for God to create the miraculous in our lives. Amen? And another beautiful truth emerges of the details. Mary was not in a nasty stall or a dank cave with filthy animals. But in a warm place, a clean place, attended to people that were trained to give birth to lambs. That's who God is. He's a God with a plan. Your problems don't stop God in his tracks. He simply decides what the devil meant for evil, he's going to mean for good. His timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. He planned out his birth that way. Let's look to the rest of it. For the next 30 or so years, we don't see much except for at age 12, he goes and confounds a bunch of teachers and rabbis. And then he kind of disappears again and comes back around the age of 30. Timing is everything with God. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. Some of you that are like, well, now's not my time. I'm, I'm trying to say all this to say that now's your time. God will do a miracle now. Why not now? And if it's not now, okay, he's still a God that heals. Why not tomorrow? We've got to stay ready for his timing. Imagine if they closed down the tower and there was no place to give birth. The timing was essential with God. He understands this. And so even at the age of 30, his mother of all people, does anybody have a mother that tries to tell you what to do? Hey Amen, I'll leave that there. And she says, listen, we ran out of wine. Do your thing. Go make some wine. Even Jesus himself said, woman, <laughs> this is not my time. But he allows obedience to supersede and to kick in, and he made it his time. Trying to tell you obedience to the word of God can change the timing and the will that even God has set up. If we will just find a way, we, we have no problem sometimes sacrificing. Look at us, we've cleaned the church. Look at us, we've, we've, we've decorated it, we've, we've built the thing. We're out there doing all this stuff. We're being very sacrificial, but... When God said to pray, when he said to fast, when he said to witness, when he said these other things, to uh, not commit sins, not to omit and have sin in your life, to do that, we, we'll leave all that out because we're sacrificing. But truly, the Bible says obedience is better 
than sacrifice. Obedience can change the very timing of God. He shows this in everything, down to his last prayers that he prays. Luke 22 and 42, he says this, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. I don't think I've said it once today that you might not have to endure. You're going to have to endure some things. I think it was Brother Spencer, I think he put it up on social media at one point that mountains aren't smooth for a reason. Smooth mountains you can't climb. Those are skateboard ramps. Sometimes there's some jaggedy parts to life that doesn't make sense. And sometimes there are just downright mountains in our lives that we have to climb. I never said you wouldn't endure or that he would make life easier. But he doesn't put us in valleys just to leave us there. He puts us there so we can have wisdom, knowledge, so we can grow, so we can change and have faith and hope and strength. We worship a God that will bring us through. He will strengthen you. It's what's needed. So even when he needed to pray, God himself, I know he was Jesus praying to himself. I understand all the the crazy theology of it. You have to understand the flesh sometimes cries out to the spirit. You ever called yourself an idiot? Sounds weird. But you're talking to yourself. And so he talked to himself and said, let this pass from me. If it be your will, but nevertheless, not mine, but thine be done. And an angel came and strengthened him. Sometimes God might not pull you out, but obedience, he'll pull you out, but maybe not on our time. But obedience will cause strength to be released your way. If you'll just ask and and say the right things and the right questions, God can release angels and truly himself to come and to be obedient to your life. You can't give up on God. So here we are, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years later. At this Sunday, they ushered him in with uh, waving palm branches, singing Hosanna in the highest. I thought it was funny today, not funny, but when God reveals stuff to me, sometimes I chuckle because he waits. And I was in pastor's office trying to just reread over everything, and it caught me in Luke that when he was born, they said glory to God in the highest. And yet right before his death, they began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The place never changed for God. It said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One week later, he's on the cross. The king of kings, the enemies think that they've won, they've killed the son of God. But all they have done is place the lamb that was born in the manger, the one that said that, I'm the temple's manger, or the temple's lamb, and they've placed him on the cross. I want to do my best to explain this a little bit here. The first covenant sacrifice from Abraham to God went something like this. He said, he said unto him, take me a heifer three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Kind of a weird mix. But then he said, and then he took them all these, and he divided them into the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. When the fowls came down to the carcass, Abram drove them away. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. 
Verse 17 reads, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. I want to talk to you about the power of a sacrifice for a moment. I know we're talking about obedience. I, I promise I'm going all over the place, but I'll do my best to wrap everything up here at the end as best I can. In the old law, they would divide up animals. Like when it came time to sacrifice, they'd separate the legs, they'd separate uh, the, the, the breast from different parts of it, they'd separate the head, they'd separate different things, they'd get rid of some parts, they would save some parts, different organs, they would burn them at different times. Everything had a meaning, but in these sacrifices, when they would separate them, if I was making a peace offering to you, or even a sacrificial offering, something bad transpired, read Leviticus. Tells you all you need to know about the transpiring of bad things. If, if I killed one of your uh, uh, cows and all of a sudden I owed you a cow, we had to have a sacrifice and you got another cow or whatever the case might be, the Bible says that I would have to divide one animal for sacrifice. And they say in history and in the Talmud, all these different things that they would separate parts of the animal and they'd separate the legs, they'd separate different uh, quadrants of it and that the man that owed the other man would walk through the divided sacrifice. And it says that when he would walk through, he would often read a scroll or a tablet or whatever the case might be, and he would say the wrong he did, he would say the debt that he owed and how this was a full payment. Payment in full, it was a completion of the wrong that had been done. That's how they dealt with sacrifices. But when Abram was going to go into covenant because we're part of the new covenant. This is what God did with Abram. You see, we're the ones that sinned. We're the ones that did wrong. And, and so Abram divided a sacrifice. And the Bible says that God caused sleep upon Abram and that he walked amongst the sacrifice. I want to tell you about the God you serve. The God you serve does not require you to pay a debt, but he's paid it for you. That takes us back to the cross. Because that's what that whole lamb stretched on a tree was all about. It was God coming into our lives and paying it for us. That's what his, his goal was, was to, to show that there is a fulfillment of this law. During that covenant offering between Abram and God, it was God that walked through it. It was him showing that it was his debt to pay. We follow Abraham later, it says that when it was time for him to sacrifice his promise, has anybody ever felt like you've had to give up on your promise? I know I'm teaching, I know it's quiet. I'm sorry for that, that's all me. But have you ever felt like what you were promised or supposed to do in life you've given up on? I ask our young people every now and then, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? The old Toys R Us slogan. And it's funny to me when I get the answers. Some know, some have no idea. Some might want to do art history, and I try to tell them don't. Nobody pays for that. <laughs> and with whatever they choose to do, I'll look at them 10 years down the road, and you'll see a completely different path. And I'll wonder, okay, was that your dream or was it God's dream? Where did, what happened? What changed? And you'll see life changed, life, life just happens, but sometimes I wonder, have you given up on what you felt God has called you to do? Your promises from God, have you given up on the happiness, the joy? Have you given up on the peace in your life that God has promised? Have you given up on some of these things? Have you given up on it all? Your health, your future. But I'm here today to tell you, if we'll keep 
obeying God. If you'll stay the course, the time will come when you think you're making a sacrifice, you have a debt to clear, and God will step in and say, this is my debt. This is what I will pay. I'm trying to tell you that when our pastor calls for us to fast, it's time that we should fast. When he calls us to a time of prayer, man, the flesh, trust me, the flesh does not want to pray. But it's time for us to pray knowing that God is going to fulfill his purpose. Knowing he's going to fulfill his plan for your life. He's still going to heal. He's still going to deliver, amen? This is my promise to give you a future. It's his debt to pay. It doesn't matter what the enemy's trying to do. God is there, and he always obeys his word. Here's what's wild to me. When I look at the end of the book, Revelations 13, it says that it was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God knew when Adam and Eve, and probably even before they messed up, that he would have to send redemption himself. God also understood, even though he's capable of everything, that this God that we serve needed to robe himself in flesh just to bleed for redemption. As we look at the crib to the cross, we see 30 plus years of a God that had to robe himself just so that we can sit here today worshiping, praising, and thanking a God that finally allowed Gentiles to be saved. Amen? That's what we're looking for. That's what God is all about. If you don't realize how perfect his order and his timing is, let me tell you about this temple. So here's what they would do. In Israel, they would have tunnels dug. And at sacrifice time, it was uh, unreal at these uh, feasts that they would have, the, uh, the, the Feast of Trumpets and uh, the Day of Atonement and at Passover especially, they would have sacrifice after sacrifice to clear all of the debt, to clear all of the air, everything would happen. And they would say that when sacrifices like that happened, the blood would get so deep at the area of sacrifice that they would have to drain the blood and so they would have tunnels that they would allow the blood to wash into. And they would say at Passover, the moment that these uh, sacrifices would over that they would take water and they would take barrels of water and flush the tunnels with blood and water and it would roll down the mountainside. You see, Jesus said that in three days I'll destroy the temple and build it again. And they didn't understand what he meant, but he truly was saying it's time for me to be the temple and it's time for us to be the temple of God. And so he was there stretched out on a tree giving everything, praying, if this passes for me, just let it pass. If not, something, let something happen. I'll do it regardless. And, the, and that the Bible says that the angel came, but then he is there stretched on a tree, knowing he has to give it all, knowing he has to give everything. And, and when the final breath was breathing, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And, and into my hands I commend my spirit. And the Bible says that he gave up the ghost. He gave it all up, that they pierced his side. Because the Passover had happened, and so they were making everybody on a cross. They were ending life so that they could take him down and celebrate Passover, not have their, their brethren up on trees. But when it came to Jesus, our God had already passed away, and they say that they pierced his side, and out flowed blood and water. We serve a God that is perfect in his timing, perfect in his word. Yet through all of it, we have such a hard time trying to stay true to his perfect calling. 
let me tell you about my life. About a year and two months ago, I stepped into a position at a job. I can't tell you why the position was so hard for me. It was just talking with people, and I, I seemed to do okay with that. And for 12 years, I dealt with complaining, and I seemed to do okay with that. Glory. <laughs> and through all the complaining and all the business work I had to do, I was managing about 20 to 30 projects. Whatever they'd put on my plate, I'd have to make sure they got done from the moment of disaster all the way to completion. And they had to be happy. And I had some people, they vexed my soul on a Friday night, on a Saturday at 3 in the morning. They'd email, they'd text. It was all just me. And they just put so much. And I felt so oppressed. I have since found all the weight that I had lost due to fasting and not feeling like myself. I'm talking about going through some things. I can't explain that time in my life. I'd even talk to my own father, and he would often say, what's the worst that could happen? I don't know. I go sit in front of a judge, <laughs> explain why their house wasn't put back together right, and the timing was wrong, and they want to take my money. And he says, they can't kill you. Let me relate that to you. So many times in our lives, you're in a place that God has very much designed and, and made for this moment. The music can come. And through your moment, depression sets in. Oppression sets in. Where other people begin to just push down on you and you will feel pressure. And you'll feel like there's no way out. And that's the devil's goal is to make you feel like there's no option for you. I had been an electrician at that point for 17 years, and I felt like I would not find another job in electrical work ever. I'm still an electrician. They call me Sparky. It's part of life, amen. <laughs> but through it all, in the midst of that trial, you will feel like no way is this ever going to get better. In the midst of sickness and disease and disability, you will feel like there's no purpose. Why did God make me like this? Why did he take my husband? Why did he allow our marriage to fall apart? Why did, why did my wife leave me? Why are the kids, why are they not in church? Why is this happening? But we serve a God that is perfect in timing. We serve a God that is perfect in all his will. I'm telling you today, there's, I'm speaking at least to a few to just hold on. To just hold on to him. Stand at the bottom of the cross. Just hold on to that thing. Just stand right where that redemption is and say, God, no matter what, I'm not giving up on you. Doesn't matter what my enemy brings against me, I won't give up on you. Stand with me. In Psalms, you can look it up in your Bible, Psalms 133, it talks about David, who sings a song, when David sings a song, he talks about the dew of Mount Hermon. And he says, as a dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. He talks about this Mount Hermon just for a moment. It's just a blip in the Bible, and then it's gone. And he talks about the blessing of this dew. Mount Hermon is about 130 miles away from the mountains of Zion. 130 miles, that's a good distance. But they say that that mountain is so tall that it has snow year-round and that it truly will control the climate and everything about it. They say that that mountain 130 miles away is what gave life to the mountain of Zion. Because the waters that would flow off that mountain and the dew caused by that mountain 
would forever feed the children of Israel. But that mountain was located in the enemy's territory. I just want to say it as best I can. It does not matter. (laughs) It does not matter what situation has come your way, what seems impossible. Doesn't matter how big you think those mountains are that are against you. Doesn't matter what enemy you feel is against you. If God's in it, He's got a timing for it, He has a plan. And through all of it, he will bring you through the very thing that the devil meant to kill you with. God can bring you through. Amen. Through all of that, God's here today to tell somebody, I'll bring you through. If you'd bow your heads with me. I wonder if there's some in this place that feel like you're going through something and that the only answer left is God. It's either God or nothing. I wonder if you'd step out of your aisle and out of your pew and just come down to this altar and just spend a moment reflecting with God. Maybe you need to pray, Lord, whatever your will. Maybe you need to say, God, just send an angel. Let me have some strength. Maybe you should try praying one more time. Lord, if this is your will, end it, God. Let me be victorious. Lord, bring me out. Let me be healed. Whatever your case might be, I wonder if we'd find a place to pray this morning. Find a place to ask God to step into your hand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it. Let's just find a place to pray for a moment. Let's just ask God to be here always.